0: Is one veteran NFC North receiver about to have a big week three? When is the right time to give up on a potential breakout in the NFC South? And can one rookie duplicate his week two success for another huge Sunday? Plus, a four-time winner in the FFPC and the Football Guys Players Championship and the week one fourth place team in the 2021 FFPC main event, Jason Tavares, will drop by to talk about K.J. Osborne, Cordero Patterson, Cortland Sutton, and much, much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football. I can't stand the time. pressure. I've seen greater men than these lessons. lesser. Make out of the
1: lesser. Make the head for just because it was right there in the-
0: Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott.
1: All I just Hey, thanks,
0: Greetings and salutations, all of you, Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, that intro music provided by Uh, The Quiet Hollers, remember to check out their music at QuietHollers.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football of the KFFSC. It is Farrell Elliott. Farrell, how are we doing tonight? This is our last show in September for 2021. The season's zooming by, man.
1: It is, Balky. We're already in week three, and I am joining you from the road tonight. I just... uh... Where sixty-five and seventy intersect in downtown Indianapolis, and I'm headed home. And uh, if I'm too noisy, or if you can't make out what I'm saying, let me know, and I will uh, pull off the side of the road. Safety first. I've slowed down. I'm only doing eighty-five now. And we,
0: you know, we're ready to talk <laughs> some
1: football, so it's a
0: good thing. So you're coming through from Indian or by way of Indianapolis to Louisville right now. I'm just kind of curious. Did you have the magic bomb? that you anointed on Carson Wentz today, that he was somehow able to practice, that for everybody ruled him out for week three? Because it looks like Carson Wentz is yeah. going to be on the field this week against the Titans.
1: You know, I saw the injury. The man injured two ankles on one play. A uh, highly unusual injury. I'm glad that he can come back. There's been questions about this player's toughness, questions about the player's likability. There's questions about the player in a lot of ways. But you know, if he can step up for this, it, it really will be the proverbial feather in his cap and the team will rally around him. And look, anyone that gets played, the, uh, take their passing game against the Tennessee Titans, they don't want to miss that opportunity. 300 yards a game is the benchmark. It's sort of the floor for what a quarterback can expect in this contest.
0: The Colts-Titans game uh, is going to get a lot of run on this program tonight. We are going to discuss that, plus we're going to discuss everything you need to know about the Christian McCaffrey injury, how this affects Chuba Hubbard, and Jalen Hurts, should he be in your lineup this week over Tom Brady? Oh, yeah, we're going to get into that. And then Jason Zavaris, who managed his team all the way up to fourth place in the FFPC main event after week one, is going to join us to discuss Daniel Jones' startability for week three, the Ravens running backs not named Tyson Williams, and, of course, much, much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. Uh, we have a good group of great guys who like the are in there right now. You can post your questions. You might have right in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFO. I'm at Eric Balkman. And, of course, you can check out the KFFSC, not only at KFFSC, but KFFSC.com. Our Facebook page is at Facebook.com slash And if you want to chime in and talk with us, you can do that at 347 426 3682. That's 347 Game Oba. You can also email the show at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for tonight's guest, Jason Tavares, for myself, or Farrell, send them in now. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend Bryce, and of course our producer and mutual friend Rob. Uh, fantasy flash let's kick things off where else but san francisco as it has been the talk of high stakes fantasy football nation over the last couple of weeks according to john lynch elijah mitchell who has the shoulder injury is quote very questionable for week three cam inman on twitter put this out there and uh if you if we look further into this on the official injury report that the san francisco 49ers released late this afternoon elijah mitchell is officially listed as doubtful now um you look at the the 49ers situation no Jermichael hasty we know he's out no raheem mostert we know he's out um trace sermon actually cleared the league's concussion protocol and will be available to play now um there is a situation here where the Niners have signed um, Jacques Patrick from Florida state university, who apparently is close to John Riggins as far as John Lynch uh, uh, says uh, this week. And it was a bit of a joke where he compared Jacques Patrick, Jacques Patrick's to, to John, uh, to John Riggins, but um, Trey sermon, Farrell, if he is active, I mean, you're looking at Trenton cannon, Patrick, obviously, you know, some of the other guys we mentioned, It could be the Trey Sermon show Sunday night, but the problem with this, it's Sunday night. So you are going to have to wait until after the late games have already been played to figure out what you're doing with Trey Sermon. How do you handle this situation for high-stakes fantasy football when you have to wait until the final two games of the week, whether or not to start Trey Sermon or not, against, quite frankly, a very questionable Packers rush defense?
1: Oh, please try to have someone else lined up so you don't do this to yourself and have the agony from now through the weekend. Pickings are very, very lean in free agency. And if you've spent for other available running backs, you've exhausted funds. You know, I think about the four teams, and and I saw some line up this way, uh, as you went down through the number one pick, uh, McCaffrey, uh, and I saw some Sermon uh, around the 6th, 7th round for a lot of these teams in that number one picks column. So, you know, you, you need to also understand who Jack Patrick is. Uh, I think there's a player that is an example of two things, the depth in the NFL at the position and the failure of the NFL scouting departments, But in because I think there's a very fine player. He proved it in the XFL in that he dominated that league, didn't didn't necessarily uh, be a top running back, but would be a a separate running back. And I've been waiting for this guy to get his opportunity. Uh, Cam Akers stole thunder in his senior year. Uh, He entered the league uh, as a free agent. He's he's in a situation where he, uh, I thought Cincinnati should have played him some last year, and they were playing uh, Gio Bernard uh, when Mixon was injured. This is a very good So if you start sermon, don't be surprised uh, to to see Patrick, uh, who will be active for the game, uh, come in and play. He's not a practice squad player because when you sign off another team's practice squad, uh, you are in fact active for at least three games.
0: A guy who is active but has not been playing a ton as far as snaps go the first two weeks of the season has been Randall Cobb, and according to uh, Madison.com, Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Packers, says he wants Randall Cobb to be more involved in the team's offense. Officially, Randall Cobb has played 22% of the Packers' snaps through the first two weeks of the season. In fact, Monday night against Detroit, he only played 12 snaps, He got three targets that game. He caught all of them for 26 yards. And Aaron Rodgers, who a lot of people would say was the catalyst for Randall Cobb coming back to Green Bay, says that he'd like more playing time for Randall Cobb, who he is very good friends with. Um, The uh, other rookie slot receiver that was expected to take a lot of the snaps for the Packers this year, Amari Rodgers out of Clemson, he played 15 snaps week one. He got zero, count them, zero offensive snaps in week two. It's been Alan Lazard who has been playing in the slot for the Packers over the course of the last two weeks as far as uh, dominance level goes. You look at um, a tough Niners game this weekend, Farrell. I actually, and listen, I, I willingly admit that I may have been wrong on Randall Cobb. I drafted him all over the place in the KFFSC. I drafted him in a ton of other spots. I may have been wrong about him. Um, and I cut him in like maybe one or two leagues for I think like Cordero Patterson and K.J. Osborne this past week. But for your sake, what are you doing with Randall Cobb this week? Is he worth keeping around? Do you think that he takes a step forward and has a startable week three?
2: I don't think so
1: as a startable week three. We know Randall Cobb is going to be better as the season moves on, and as you get into bye weeks, bye weeks that We'll start soon, and then we'll run through week 14. As, as you look around uh, slot receiver players who are being productive, either in the absence or non-performance of uh, injured or, or young players that have yet to get their chance, you can do a lot worse than, than Randall Cobb. So, yes, the quarterback, the quarterback starts clicking like he clicked uh, on Monday night. Uh, he's He's going to have his say as to which players are available to him to move the ball to. And when Cobb's on the field, he looks for Cobb. So, yeah, Bucky, you've upgraded your rosters by releasing Randall Cobb for some of the players you've mentioned. But I wouldn't make a wholesale release of Randall Cobb because he'll end up starting for you sometimes this year, and you'll be proud that you drafted it.
0: Yeah, I tried to hang on to him wherever I could for sure. And I, I guess I still in my heart of hearts believe that Cobb is going to be a a, a top 36 a top 48 receiver certain weeks this season and quite frankly maybe more often than not so if you can with injuries in the bye weeks rearing their ugly head within the next few weeks see if you can hang on to Cobb I'm with Farrell I think you can I think you'll be happy you did um speaking of receivers here Odell Beckham apparently according to ESPN's Dan Graziano is going to play against week three quote barring an unforeseen setback between now and game time. This will be his first game of the 2021 season. The first two games, he was held out by the Cleveland Browns. Remember, he tore his ACL last year, and this was essentially sort of the completion of his rehab from that ligament tear. Um, You don't know if he is going to have the full complement of snaps that he normally is accustomed to when he is out there fully healthy. You don't know if they're going to manage those reps at all. And quite frankly, um, you know, there there could be some sussing of the Odell Beckham usage in week three, but Cleveland doesn't necessarily have a huge luxury here with Jarvis Landry on injured reserve. So it could be a boffo week three for Odell Beckham. Now, um, you look at what you can get out of him, you know, again, Farrell, and I bring this up too, not a ton of injuries right now. Nobody's on by. Are you better off keeping Odell Beckham on your bench if you can afford it for one more week until he gets his feet wet, until he gets conditioned, until he's ready to get his normal snap load in week four coming up this season, Farrell?
1: I never considered drafting this player this year, and that's one bullet that I've dodged. And I know that some players will get this... And we'll get back him on the field this year and we'll benefit from it because he's going to have a game or two. But it's too uh, few and far between and too difficult to predict. Yes, he's uh, he's got a significant role if he's going to be on the field. Uh, but I would rather avoid all the issues uh, – Attached to this, so if he's on your roster, you likely pay the sixth-round draft pick for him. And if you win heavy wide receiver, there are wide receivers that that are stepping up and producing. uh, The from the double-digit rounds, I would probably stick with them until I see it from Beckham. But you might be in a situation, especially if you're a little running back tight end heavy in the FFPC that your draft capital now has to be spent and you have to get Beckham on the field and, you know, hold your breath in that situation.
0: Yeah. Hold your breath indeed. And uh, I I think again, like Farrell said, if you can find somebody else that's close, go with him at least for this one week and I don't think you'll be missing out. You'll still be able to reap the rewards of Odell Beckham with no Jarvis Landry for the next couple of weeks after this one. All right, let's get to the center of the fantasy football universe here. As far as what happened, last night in the Texans Panthers game Chuba Hubbard gets 11 carries for 52 yards in the win over the Texans he also caught three passes for 27 yards 18 minutes into this game uh, we heard or we saw and heard that Christian McCaffrey strained his hamstring and so Royce Freeman and Chuba Hubbard occupied the backfield for the remainder of the ball game for the Carolina Panthers now Hubbard did not get necessarily the lion's share of carries, but certainly you can make the case that he was the guy after McCaffrey went down. He did drop a touchdown. He got stood up on fourth and five from the Texans five yard lane. That could have been a touchdown is uh, there as well. That was all in the first half. In the second half, he looked much, much better. Several 10 plus yard gains, um helped the clock moving, helped the chains, uh, chains running uh, in this case and it it seems like he is going to be the guy to start going forward for the uh, Carolina Panthers while Christian McCaffrey is out. So, Farrell, not much to say about Christian McCaffrey here. It sounds like he is going to be out multiple games. I don't know if it was a grade one or grade two strain, which obviously influences how long he's going to be out. But if you have Chuba Hubbard on your squad, if you are thinking about starting him, obviously not in week three, but week four going forward, how comfortable do you feel about that? What kind of faith do you have in the rookie out of Oklahoma State?
1: Oh, yeah, he's in my lineup if I have him. And
0: I, it was
1: on cue last night that our announcers, uh, Buck and Aikman, uh, pretty much exhausted everything they had uh, in, in regards to Hubbard. Uh, you could see that there was some lack of preparation. I think any fantasy manager could have handled explaining to the listening public just who this player was. And if at one point they said uh, that without McCaffrey, Carolina has no running game, and I think that's when Hubbard immediately churned out about 10 yards. I really like the way he ran. I think, you know, no one's going to replace McCaffrey, but this kid in this offense is going to have to step up and deliver. And, you know, I think we always have a sense that he would get some chance this year in some way to, to, to relieve Christian McCaffrey. I didn't think it would come this early in this kind of serious injury the drafters are going to be rewarded. You drafted this guy in case of this situation, or you were able to uh, grab this player before uh, the team drafting in the number one position did. Good for you. You should put him in your lineup and play him. Uh, I think we were we we saw where the quarterback uh, to me is still very challenged here, at Arnold, and it's going to be dependent on a short passing game and a running back that can move the sticks. Hubbard fits that bill. Freeman will fill in nicely around him. Uh, Yeah, go ahead and get this player in your lineup.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, I did not get Chuba Hubbard in a ton of spots. In fact, the one league I have McCaffrey in, I did not back him up with Hubbard, but I do have Hubbard in a couple other uh, places. So we'll see what happens there as far as the flex position goes. It's interesting because we, we know that Christian McCaffrey is out in multiple weeks, yet the Carolina Panthers have not placed him on injured reserve which would knock him out a minimum of three games so potentially if we you know connect the dots here you would think that Christian McCaffrey maybe only misses week four and week five and is back for week six that remains to be seen with that hamstring strain and certainly the Panthers don't want to rush him back too soon uh because he could be missing more time after that as a possibility I think I saw it was like a 20 percent or maybe a 25 percent risk of re-injury if he comes back too soon um we will uh, we'll be watching that going forward. And let's get into uh, tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen. I want to bring him in right now and talk uh, not necessarily about his chances for maybe dipping out uh, 25% into the season, but whether he will be in it for the long haul here and try to win that $500,000 grand prize in the FFPC main event. He has been playing fantasy football since he was a wee lad back in sixth great he already has four league titles not only ffpc but the football guys players championship as well he uh sits uh in uh, the top 30 in the 2021 ffpc main event after navigating his squad all the way up to fourth place after week one i want to bring in onto the program mr jason tavares jason thank you so much uh for joining Farrell and i this uh this evening man really appreciate it hey
2: no problem thanks for having me on the show we will How talk guys fantasy guys
0: football with you. We're, we're doing very good. We're excited. We're on the cusp of week three, which is always good that we're in the thick of it. In fact, this will be our last show in uh, in September. The next time we do this, we will be in October, and we will really be in the thick of fantasy football. We're going to be in the thick of fantasy football here uh, in our interview shortly, Jason. But before we get into that, can you tell us what you're doing for a living when you're not living in the top 30 of the FFPC main event? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, for a living, I'm actually a carpenter. I uh, work in New York City, and that's that's pretty much it. When I'm not when I'm not working, I'm I'm watching anything that has to do with sports.
0: When that's you pretty uh, nice, that's pretty nice that's a
1: pretty nice gig to have, uh, just because I would think that you have all the work to keep you busy that you want. Is that what's going on in your world right now?
2: Uh sometimes, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It's, it's it really depends, honestly. During the pandemic, it actually was kind of bad. All the construction stuff wasn't wasn't happening.
1: Well, I, I got to tell you, it, it you know you share a little bit of that with one Pittsburgh Steeler rookie running back because I think he's going to have all the work that he can possibly handle and carrying a big load with this team. Right. I was very happy to draft him wherever I could get my hands on him and I I think we are uh I think we're leaning towards a good result and a better result uh after watching him in week 2. Uh what's your thoughts uh about Najee Harris? What do you need him to do to propel your team's uh to keep, to keep this lofty record that you have so far? I
2: think he's got to get a some more yards per carrier. I mean, he's running behind a bad line. The only good thing is, like you're saying, he is a the workhorse. There. That's that's why I wanted to draft him too, because there is nobody right. behind him. They're going to just keep giving him the ball. So whether he gets three yards a carry, four, five, he's just going to keep giving giving the ball. So you get you'll get a, if you get a touchdown, you're good, right? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, but I I do I do think I do think he's just going to keep getting the ball. So regardless. He'll still – he'll be a running back, I think.
0: You know, and and that's the thing, and and we're talking about this in the chat room right now too with uh, guy, Hudson-Turn-Reeve, that that he needs – you know, Harris needs a better offensive line in Pittsburgh, but the way I looked at it was this, and I can't remember who brought this up to me first, but I have Najee Harris in a couple of leagues, and the way I looked at it was this. I did not draft him based on him being part of this massively elite offense. I did not draft him based on the fact that he is going to be playing behind one of the top quarterbacks in football. I did not draft him based on him running behind a a top five offensive line. I drafted him based on the fact that he will be getting a ton of volume, both with carries and with catches. So for me, I didn't necessarily care too much about how poor his offensive line was because I thought the volume would rinse that out in the aggregate and he would still finish as a very good offense or a very good running back this year. And I'm, I'm still holding out hope that that's what we see. Certainly, you cannot bench him at this point. You've got to roll him out there. Better days are ahead for Najee Harris. Now, a player I'm not so sure better days are ahead on is Marquez Calloway. This is a guy that you <laughs> took, uh, Jason, in the seventh round of your FFPC main event. Yeah. I spent a mint. I could have retired on the amount of blind biddings bucks I spent on Marquez Calloway in the preseason. <laughs> I'm looking for a refund on that. I'm no, I know I'm not going to get it, but it's yeah, been frustrating. First two weeks have not been good for Marquez Calloway. So, my um, question yeah. to you is, how likely is it that, that Calloway does turn it around and become the player, becomes the player that we thought he was going to be after what we saw in the preseason?
2: You know, I'm kind of starting to lose hope, especially with that. Even the first game, like, the offense – was still bad. The second game I felt like it was even worse. And if they wind up changing quarterbacks, I think it's gonna get even worse for him. I'm still holding hope only because of that I drafted him in the seventh round and a bunch of other teams I drafted him. So it's almost like say being stubborn with it, right? Like you said you drafted him too, so it's kinda of like you're you're hoping you're wishing that he comes through, but I I'm not seeing it. I'm really not I'm not gonna drop him just because I I got him in the seventh round. I felt I liked him enough, where I reached a little bit. I think for him, but um, uh, maybe maybe Michael Thomas coming back later in the season, maybe that'll open it up for him a little bit. That's definitely the only thing I I could think of. But I I'm guys, not liking it.
1: Guys, he can get separation, and and when he does, he'll demand the ball. And I I. You know, the first game was weird because it was too, too easy for the Saints. And, and there was there was short yardage situations. Uh, field for win is he on a half field many times because of inefficiency. And then if you could think of a quarterback, if you're told that your whole coaching staff is going to miss the game because of COVID, think of any quarterback that, that would affect the most it would most likely be Jameis Winston. So, I agree. You know, it's a very strange two-week uh, sampling for Cal. And I'm, I'm joining you guys. He's not up this week. I'm not giving up hope. I think we'll be. Uh, I think before the season's over, we're going to find some utility out of that seventh-round draft pick. I say with my fingers crossed.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, he looked he looked good in the preseason, and the talent's there. It's just as soon as that regular season started, he's disappointing a lot of people, <laughs> not just us.
1: <laughs> well, you know, uh, another area of disappointment. Now, like you take the two teams in the National Football League that are designed to rush the ball that that are that are absolutely it's no, it's no bones about it. These are running teams that, that are built around the rush. They have other talented players in receiver positions, but they are a complement to the rushing game. And both of their backs obliterated. We've already talked about San Francisco. Even worse yep. is to what has happened with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, yeah. I I congratulate, you know, here your- talking about waiver cups, and, and uh, of course depending on when you were drafted whether you drafted this player or got him on the waiver wire, uh independent you got him on your team, if you did get him, you have to be very, very happy about the Tyson Williams. Can you talk to me about Latavius Murray and some of the other well recognized names that's front office in Baltimore is added to the roster. Do you see any value in that going forward? Oh, yeah.
2: I feel like Baltimore at this point is just trying to sign anybody. So I said, but right. I think Tyson does look good. Um, and that – or did he get, like, two carries last game? Devontae Freeman actually had some pop um, in that game. And, I mean, if he plays, like – I mean, it was only two carries, I don't see anything from Latavius Murray. He, I mean, he's really shown nothing. Um, I – they should give more carries to Tyson, but, um, you know, they'd like that committee. Even when Dobbins is there, they're giving it to Dobbins and to Gus Edwards. So they're continuing to do the same thing. But I kind of do like Devontae Freeman. Maybe have a little bit of resurgence here. Maybe take over as the second back probably, but I do like Tyson there.
0: This, is, this is I don't like Le'Veon Bell. I, uh,
2: I, I could say that.
0: No, you and I are of one mind on that one, for sure, uh, Jason. And, and this is great for me as a Florida State fan, because here we are, September <laughs> in the year of 2021, our Lord. Uh, we, we are talking about Jacques Patrick and Devontae Freeman on the same program. Yeah. This is fantastic. Florida State running backs, baby. <laughs> Got to love it. It's going to uh, maybe not necessarily set the world on fire, but it's going to uh, set the fantasy football uh, uh, talking world on, on fire as we uh, continue our exploration be uh, through uh, former Seminoles running backs here on the program. Tonight. Well, then you could, let's go to a question. Go ahead.
2: Uh, then, you can, then you can talk about Dalvin Cook, then, if you want to talk about Florida State uh, running backs.
0: Yes. <laughs> you know, this is a good question. So let's, let's talk about Dalvin Cook here very briefly here, Jason. He did not practice all week, yet the Vikings list him as questionable. He's basically a game-time decision. How nervous are you about starting Dalvin Cook this week Given uh, the the fact that you know what I and I was talking to a couple of guys at work today about um, about Dalvin Cook and I'm like you know I cannot remember the last time a running you know I've seen DeAndre Hopkins do it where he doesn't practice all mm-hmm. week and he still plays on Sunday but when's the last time you saw a running back not practice all three days was still out there Sunday and by the way this is a late thing on Sunday so you might have some decisions yeah. to make here is Dalvin Cook worth waiting for at 4:25 Eastern time against the Seahawks. That's tough.
2: That, that You know, he's such a special talent that you're kind of like, you kind of don't because then if he plays, then you're going to be kicking yourself in the ass that he scored, that he got you 25 points, you know, as a late scratch. But I feel like Dalvin Cook is always nicked up. He's always got something. He's always questionable. Um, I don't, to be honest, I probably still keep him in my lineup. I would probably still keep him in. Unless something drastic happens, i probably still keep him in there. Unless I have somebody that, that's much better that you, know, that you take the chance with, that it. it doesn't matter. But
0: if you don't have
2: the, the depth there, i I probably still keep him in.
0: Me, too, you know, brother. I will bring Me this too. up. I will bring this up as, as the former co-host of the show, who's actually in the chat room right now, uh, Dave the Dizzle Gurzak, said, a lot of times, even with these Sunday night and late Sunday afternoon games, you'll get word, you'll have a good feeling before 1 o'clock Eastern on Sunday, before you set your lineups. You'll have a good feeling, one way or the other, whether Dalvin Cook is going to play or not. So keep paying attention to that for sure. Um, it, it, uh, I do want to bring up um, one other thing from the chat room here. Kern Reeve, uh, our boy, uh, wants, wants to know, uh, Jason, is Clyde Edwards-Alaire a disappointment this season, or do you think yes. he's going to emerge later on? How do you feel about Clyde Edwards-Alaire when we, when we look back at the 2021 season, will we be labeling Edwards-Alaire as a guy who lived up to his draft um, capital, or is he going to be a guy who's letting people down? I, You know, there's still
2: – I mean, we only played two weeks into the season, right? And he hasn't done anything. He's still in that high-powered offense. You know, you're kind of hoping, like, all right, maybe they're not going to run the ball out there, but you're kind of hoping he's still going to get those catches and, and two weeks go by, and he's still not getting anything there, right? I still don't think he's going to be a disappointment, but he was getting drafted in the second, late second round. He might might not hold that value for that late second round pick. I mean, I'm holding out on that, but it's tough. He's not really showing anything, and and the rest of the guys on the team are, are showing out, right? So I still think he's a big part of the offense. So I don't know if, if if I were drafting today. I'm sure you probably would agree he wouldn't go in the second round, not the way he's playing. That's for sure.
0: And, and I'm kind of, I'm with you. I'm, I'm kind of holding out hope, but I'm, I'm cautiously pessimistic. I guess would be the, the way to frame yeah. this is because I'm, you know, because he's got, you know, when you draft Clyde edwards that high, there is a lot to live up to uh, at this point. Right. So I'm, I'm sort of on the, um, the, the pessimistic side of optimism right now. But, you know, he could easily change my mind. It's only been two weeks. We're talking with Jason Tavares, the guy who managed his team all the way up to Fourth place in the FFPC main event after one week of play. We've talked about uh, some. Uh, I think we touched on the Vikings here, and what's interesting is that's going on in Minnesota. You have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, two of the highest drafted, maybe the highest drafted tandem receivers out there uh, outside of Seattle, maybe with metcalf and Lockett. But um, or the Cowboys, DJ Osborne, or the Cowboys, Amari Cooper and CD Lamb. I know you're a big Cowboys guy for sure, so you understand how that goes as well. But when you look at specifically the Minnesota Vikings, and we'll get into the Cowboys here in a little bit, K.J. Osborne has been doing great um, when you consider, not only when you consider, you know, the other receivers in that offense, but just the fact that this guy wasn't drafted anywhere. He's already got 15 targets on the season. He's transformed that into 12 yards, or 12 t- uh, catches, 167 yards, and he's gotten into the end zone as well. So, Jason, when you look at the Vikings, how long do you think KJ Osborne can keep this level of production up? I I think he might. I think he's benefiting from Irv
2: Smith being injured. They're running a lot of three receiver sets, and uh, you know he's just taking all those targets. Right? I mean, everybody was kind of hoping that Irv Smith this year would have a big year. Unfortunately, he gets injured, but you know KJ Osborne is benefiting from that now, and I I think I think he's going to probably keep it up the whole year now. He might be one of those those winning waiver wire pickups. Uh, I don't see they just they're gonna. I feel like they're gonna be throwing it a lot. I mean, they, obviously they have Dalvin, but um, I don't see the Vikings being a very good team, and they're probably gonna have to play from behind, so they're gonna be throwing it a lot. I I don't see him slowing down too much with okay. that. He's not gonna put up numbers of Thielen and and gonna be putting up, but I I think he's gonna be all right. I'm with you there, Jason. I've got to tell you, Balky and I have been talking
1: about it. Some of the players that I love, uh, what's called around the league, is is guys that can play with contact balance, and you don't see that in a lot of receivers. I I went back to try to figure out what I didn't know about this player when he came out. I looked at his combine numbers. He popped eight uh, on on the bench press at, at the combine. He ran well. Uh, He did a lot of good things, and he he spent last year in Minnesota uh, basically uh, uh, in hiding uh, on their reserve roster. But this is a player that when he played Cincinnati, and it's the one thing you can see, if a player gets hit and he still keeps running, he still stays in bounds, he still Mm -hmm. keeps his balance, you know, what else could you want? Out of a strong uh, slot receiver, he's. Uh, right. I thought initially that he's built like uh, Laviska Chenault. He's not that big. He's like two oh five, but he plays a little bit like Chenault, and that's that's a compliment. Right. I um uh, um I, I want to go. We talked a little bit about it earlier. Uh, Indianapolis uh, at Tennessee, and I think I saw something last night that that. I'm going to give you a forerunner as to what I believe in this question. But is there anyone in that Colts lineup that, um, that that you would bench just based on what you've heard about Carson Wentz? We may get Wentz. We think we will. We may get Eason, uh, particularly if we were to focus on uh, the receiving core. How would you feel about going forward with uh, uh, with Pittman
2: there? Uh, based on the, the health of those players. You know, I was actually going back and forth with that because I have Pittman on a, on a bunch of teams. And honestly, I'm basing my decision almost on what I saw last night with the Texans, right? Because you have yep. Brandon Cooks yep. there, right? Kind of same situation. Yep. And I was going back and forth with benching him, but you've got to throw it to somebody. And I figured they were going to be behind in that game, so you're going to throw it to someone. And, You know, he did what he had to do. I feel like the same thing might happen in that Colts game. So I I don't bench Pittman. I I don't think I would bench him just because they got to give it to someone. And he's the most talented guy on that team uh, of the receivers. Um, So you got to give it to somebody. And they're probably going to be behind too. So, I no, I'm I'm starting him. And I'm I'm probably starting him with confidence. I'm probably not going to get the same, obviously, that you would get from Wentz. Quarterback is not as talented, but I I keep uh, Pittman in my lineup.
1: Yeah, and I think you saw you the know, same and, thing and last night when you considered the quarterback Darnold. Uh, you know, Darnold right. was troubled last night, and he continued to go to one receiver, DJ Moore, DJ right. Moore, DJ Moore. Right. But Moore and Cooks had great games, so I think you're onto something there, uh, and I think you've unlocked that. And I think I'll make the same move too.
0: Hey, um, Jason, as long as we're talking about Pittman right here, um, I, we're going to bring this up later in the show. I, I think it, we might as well bring it up now. We had an emailer uh, uh, contact us this week when it looked like Carson Wentz was going to be held out. Uh, it's John in Phoenix, and he writes, both of them were huge in week two, but I only have room in my lineup for one of them in week three. You make the call. Rondale Moore or Michael Pittman. Thanks so much, fellas. John and Phoenix, Ooh. thank you so much for listening. Thanks for emailing. Oh, so this is a good one right here when you look at yeah. um, two guys that sort of, you know, didn't wow anybody in week one, but both were were awesome in, in week two. Now you look at wh- what they're doing in week three. We already mentioned Michael Pittman is taking on the Titans in Nashville. Rondale Moore this week is going to be on the road as well, but he's in Jacksonville taking on that hapless Jags defense. So if you can only yeah. fit one in your lineup here, Jason, do you bench Pittman or do you bench Rondale Moore?
2: I probably, I probably still bench Rondell Moore. Only Pittman Moore, and I feel like last week when he, he had like 113 yards, 77 was from that broken play that Kyler Murray scrambled and hit him with a pass. So I'm still, I'm still going with Pittman on that.
0: That's just Farrell, my I think. I'm, how do you fall in on that uh, Pittman versus Moore in Week Three? I think guys that oh. you know you're going to see a lot of you're going to see a
1: lot of Rondell Moore uh, on broken plays being successful this year. But I, I go with you, Jason, because it, it we expect Arizona to win that game, and Arizona's got a lot of tools and a lot of different things that they can try to establish. Uh, for Indianapolis to win, they're going to have to have a big game through Pittman. So. I
0: think you're lining them up correctly, my friend.
2: Yeah, I agree. I I'm, think I'm Arizona with both. should handle that game pretty easy.
0: I, I, I'm with both you guys uh, on this. You, Jason, you make the point, too. Like The game script doesn't really sound like Rondell Moore is going to be heavily involved. You look at his production last week. It was basically, I mean, the, the, the majority of it was based on a broken play. You still have A.J. Green there. It sounds like DeAndre Hopkins is still going to be out there. Don't forget about Christian Kirk, who had the big week one. Who else is there in Indy? Not a ton. And uh, you might be able to, uh, to get it done against Tennessee this week uh, with Pittman getting a lot of targets. So I think you go with volume, you go with Pittman, you sit Rondale Moore. That is your answer, John, in Phoenix. Let's move on here as we are talking with the Week One fourth place team in the FFPC main event, a four-time champion in the FFPC and the Football Guys Players Championship, Jason Tavares. We talked a little bit Um, uh, earlier about uh, the Vikings let's talk about a former Viking here in old Patterson what are the chances Jason after what we saw in week two he leapfrogs Mike Davis and becomes not only the the starting running back in Atlanta but becomes a third three down running back there as well because he certainly has got the chops on the passing downs what are the chances he gets it done on all three downs for the Falcons this year
2: well, the knock on the knock on Mike Davis? Is he started to break down towards the end of the year, right? Last year, um, and Cordell Patterson is a better receiver out of the backfield. I think he is going to leave program. I I would say I don't know, maybe by the middle of the year. Mike Davis doesn't to me doesn't look good. He's not he's not playing that much better than Patterson. Where you kind of have to be like, all right, um, we have to keep him in there. They're kind of at that same level. I Patterson to me has the advantage because he's a better pass-catching back than him because he was a wide receiver. So, I think he eventually does leave Brogdon. unless Mike Davis just—I don't know—I don't know where he just starts performing a lot better. But right now, I'm going to say that he probably is going to leave him. Value on the waiver wire, brother. I
1: and you know, I got to ask you about something. I there's some interesting matchups this week from the just, Defensive side of things There's some defenses uh, You know last night we saw Carolina uh, Shut down uh, The the Texans Although I thought the Texans played very aggressively Played very hard football Uh, Lots of shrewd Drafters were taking Carolina uh, Including my my Great friend Brad Cruz Who reminded me of that uh, In a conversation earlier today But the uh, you know, I see the Raiders uh, going off the board. You never see the Raiders' defense uh, being employed, and uh, you, you see them being lined up as a streaming option this week against the second-string quarterback from the Dolphins. Uh, uh, Buffalo, uh, if, if they weren't – Buffalo and New England, if they weren't drafted, uh, they're going for some fairly significant bids for defense. How much on a week-to-week basis are you working and streaming – uh, your defensive and special team squad to try to get you uh, those few points advantage, which could uh, be very important in that uh, head-to-head as well as total points situation.
2: All right. Um, honestly, I don't do it as much. I probably sh- – I actually like that method of doing that because, like you said, you can get – squeak out a little bit of points here or there every week with something but it, It's also tough, right? Because, you know, everybody wants to to get it. If you have a good defense, you know what you're going to get pretty much every week, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to touch Mm -hmm. that. And that's it. You don't have to go into the waiver wire. Um, I do like the streaming ethic. But me personally, Mm -hmm. most of my teams, I'll grab a a fairly decent defense. So I don't have to worry about it. Unless I see, like, a terrible matchup for my defense. And I see something that's really good. You know, but... Besides that, like, like on FFPC, like, so I don't have to spend any of that FAB money, I, I don't. But I do like that method of, of streaming defense. Just me personally, I don't do it really.
0: I will say this, as, as far as um, Kentucky goes, Farrell, the KFFSC, where defenses are very important into fantasy success, uh, success there, I typically have, have rolled, I start the season off with one defense, And then as I see uh, the the season play out, I can kind of see who is going to be the important um, defenses off the waiver wire that I can acquire and then, you know, um, keep keep two defenses on my roster for the remainder of the season. For instance, this past week, not a lot of people were on them because it's not the greatest of matchups in week three, but I think in a half dozen leagues, I got the Kansas City Chiefs defense and I Mm -hmm. plan on deploying them. Um, on, on weeks where you know the, the matchup is important. And the fact that they were still out there and I could get them cheap now, well, now I could pair them with whatever defense I drafted at the start of the season and, and, and play the matchups and, and hopefully exploit that advantage and, and take, right. you know, take advantage of, of it for the remainder of the season. Um, I don't have to play the Chiefs every week, and obviously it, it's going to get a little bit hairy when bye weeks set in. Uh, But if I can Mm -hmm. somehow manage that and keep those two defenses on my roster, the longer I can do that, the better off I am. And the advantage I'm going to have at defense going forward, that's not only true in the KFFSC, it's true in the FFPC as well. Let's get to a couple of emails here, uh, gentlemen, that we got from uh, some listeners. We already got to John and Phoenix's. Um, Before we kick that off, another question in the chat room. It sounds like, uh, well, it doesn't sound like Deontay Johnson got officially ruled out today for Pittsburgh. Wasp guy in the chat room. Wants to know, Jason, is Deontay Johnson being out for Pittsburgh better for Juju Smith-Schuster, or is it better for Chase Claypool this week? The Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, by the way, do take on in week three the Cincinnati Bengals at home. So Johnson out, is it better for Smith-Schuster, or is it better for uh, Claypool, Jason?
2: I'm going to say Juju because now Juju's going to, I feel like Juju's going to get those targets now. Um, He's more of a, you know, kind of like a Deontay type receiver, right? Chase Claypool. I mean, they're both going to get more targets, but I, I feel like, you know, in the PPR aspect, I think that Juju is going to benefit off of this more, which I love because I have Juju in a bunch of leagues, so I'm okay. I'm okay with that. So, so I
0: hope I hope I'm right.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I I think Juju is going to benefit more off of this.
0: Let's, um, let's get into uh, – well, let's go to Ohio for our next question here. Akron, specifically. It's Dale. He wants to know, hi, Jason. Tough lineup call for me this week in my Football Guys Players Championship League. Would you play Daniel Jones at quarterback or Ryan Tannehill? Now, this is interesting because Daniel Jones was not <laughs> drafted in a bunch of leagues. Ryan Tannehill was drafted basically as a top-12 option, you know, in, in, in pretty much every league. I, I don't think anybody's dropped him so far. But you look at the matchups this week. Ryan Tannehill gets the Indianapolis Colts, and that's at home, by the way, in Tennessee. But then you look at Daniel Jones, who has been coming on uh, the last couple of weeks. You look at Daniel Jones and his matchup this week. He gets to face off um, against uh, uh, the uh, Atlanta Falcons. This game is in New York. So I think uh, the matchup would certainly say, hey, it's Daniel Jones. The talent might say Ryan Tannehill. If you could only play one of these guys in a non-superflex, a quarterback one-only league like the FPC, who are you rolling with, Jones or Tannehill? Oh, Eric, this is going to hurt me. I'll tell you this
2: right now. <laughs> it's going to really hurt me. Most of my friends are Giants fans, and they're listening to this show. <laughs> I'm going to have to say I'd go with Daniel Jones. And oh, I never, I, I don't, I don't want to say that. That hurts. But I'm going with Daniel Jones on this one. I know Tannehill has more, the talent, but, you know, Daniel Jones is going to get those rushing yards. And you know, he is deceptively fast, I'll say that. I I did not think he was that fast. Um, I think he's going to have the better fantasy day. And, you know, Atlanta it's, it's, it's is it's, bad, but. It, it's
1: escape now from your mouth, Chase. You cannot take it back. It's been heard, yeah, it's been I know. recorded, yeah, I know. it's going to I know. live forever that, that you made this call. And I don't think it's a bad call. I, I might I might give you a caveat. I would say if Carson Wentz starts the game uh, for Indianapolis, then I would go ahead and play Tannehill. But if uh, Eason is the quarterback for Indianapolis, uh, I, I would take a run. Uh, with Daniel Jones, and we don't have to get into why, but you know, uh, yeah, uh, if, if, they, if there was ever a week to start Daniel Jones,
2: this is it. If you're this ever going to do it, it, this is it.
0: I don't think he I actually to am a playing, playing I, I, quarterback. I, I, well, you know what's just, funny about that is I'm with you on that, Jason. But I picked him up in a couple of leagues this week, and I plan on playing him. But outside yeah. of week three, man, <laughs> I have no Daniel Jones plans going forward. Yeah. None. Zero. I, I agree. Zilts. Uh, a... Jason, I did, I did the, the same thing. I did the same here. So, <laughs> yep. so, say yes, exactly. So when, when you are surrounded by Giants fans in, in New York Giants country there, in the northeastern part of the country, how did you become such a big Cowboys fan? Oh. oh. Well, actually – I
2: became a Cowboys fan when I was about like six, and it had nothing to do with football. I was a, a little wee lad, as you said, and I had a crush on a girl that liked the Cowboys, and that's how it all started.
0: <laughs> Man, that's, that's great. Wow. That's yeah, great. That's, that that's... had nothing to do with football. <laughs> I, well, listen, I, we do and and you're married to her now, and you have fifteen kids with her, right? no, <laughs> <Yeah>. no. <laughs> definitely not <laughs> Well that she's about that five years older there. than me at so, that time. Ah, <laughs> I, I got you. I got you. so just if we if we do a quick interlude on the cowboys this year, listen, I, everybody who was on them last year um, was reaping the benefits of it until Dak Prescott went down. They look like they are, um, you know, uh, loaded for bear again this year, at least uh, offensively speaking. Did you load up in, in your draft this year? Did you load load up on the CeeDee Lambs, the Amari Coopers, Ezekiel Elliott, Zach Prescott for the world?
2: I I did uh, wherever I could get them, you know, depending on where they felt to me in the draft. Yeah, I didn't try to reach too much. But, yeah, I, I honestly, I had C, if I could get CeeDee Lamb, I'd draft CeeDee Lamb. I was higher on C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper than I was on drafting Zeke. To be honest with you, um, I do have Zeke in a couple teams on a couple teams, but I wasn't. It was kind of just like, all right, he fell to me there. You kind of have to draft him, kind of thing. But I wasn't as high. Dak. Also, I'm not big on, I guess, grabbing quarterbacks too early. But if if it was there like for value, then I would get it, but I like more um uh c d lamb and uh mari cooper. well, if you're gonna um, keep that have... girl, you better reach for those cowboys so that's all i that's <laughs> all I'm gonna like
1: Eric, is it time for me to ask my weekly question my my question that I live to ask.
0: Give me one more, one more minute because Nick in Scranton, Pennsylvania, I, I don't know if he's an Office fan or not. He oh, we has gotta one help email, and then it. we'll get to you, Farrell. Yes, exactly. One final email here. Um, he writes, he didn't get much action in week one, but week two is a different story. Do you expect Cortland Sutton to continue his tear now with Jerry Judy out for a couple of months? Nick, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for the email. We appreciate it. So, Jason, uh, Cortland Sutton was awesome in week two. Is this what we can expect from him until Jerry Judy comes back?
2: I do. It's funny you say that. Uh, a friend of mine asked me last week, should he start him? And I said, put him in with confidence. I think he's no Judy there. They got to give it to somebody, right? He's definitely the most talented wide receiver there. you got, you got to give it to him. So I, I do Perilous think he's going
1: Beautiful advice. We've been through a lot of players, and you may have to uh, – the second part of my question, you may have to see deep, deep because we, we've thrown a lot of names out here. But I need two names. I need the name – And everybody is going to regret drafting. They don't necessarily have to be off to a bad start. They could be off to a good start. But a guy that you didn't believe in that went early, first round, middle of the second, something like that. And then I need your sleeper pick, your guy that you could put in a lineup and and really, really uh, create some numbers with uh, this weekend. Can you find me two guys
2: just for this weekend?
1: Just for this, well, no, no, you can go ahead deep
2: into the well, future. Well, I'll go the one guy that I think is going to disappoint this year. This is why I wasn't that high on him. And again, this is going to hurt me to say this. Zeke, <laughs> I think mm-hmm. they. I think Pollard has been too good when he's on the field. That you know, and Zeke hasn't been producing. Definitely not at that first round talent and I don't think you can keep Pollard off the field really like you're going to have to put him in there in some capacity right and he's going to be taken away from Zeke and so unless he starts breaking some big runs or doing something you know like I, I think he's going to be a disappointment him and also one other guy that I didn't like is Saquon I, just, I don't see it I don't think it's going to happen this year and some people drafted him in the first round. Some people, you know, when they got the news that uh, he was healing up and he was, he was ahead of recovery time and all that. I just don't think he's going to produce at that level. I I think he's going to be a bust this year, my opinion. And for this week, I like – there's two guys that I like. I don't want to say sleeper, but I like Marvin Jones against the Cardinals. Yeah. I feel like they're going to be playing from behind. Their secondary isn't great and you know Trevor Lawrence keeps keeps going to him. I actually really yeah, like sure. Marvin
0: Jones this week. I like it. It it makes sense. Uh, Marvin Jones is a guy that I actually drafted late in a, in a lot of leagues this year and I've been pretty happy and pretty satisfied. Yep. not only with my amazing drafting capabilities to get a guy like that we <laughs> but a guy that that uh that has been coming through for sure. Um, and and you know flexible every single week thus far and maybe more going forward we will see what happens with marvin jones um a, a guy that is more than flexible on this show a guy that is uh, in contention for a five hundred thousand dollar grand prize in the ffpc main event is jason varas jason I want to thank you for hopping on the show tonight congratulate you on on your success already this season wish you good luck in all thank of your you. leagues not just the the, the the league that or the the um, the the team that you have in the top thirty in the FFPC main event it has been a pleasure. Uh, best wishes to you. Hopefully we'll talk again soon. Enjoy week three, my man. Right. Can I say one thing? Go ahead. Uh, uh I just want uh,
2: my friends that listened in. Thanks for uh, listening in and uh, forget that I said that thing about the the uh, Daniel Jones. Thanks. No, no, never.
0: No, oh, never. This is this is great because cause, uh, cause now now they don't know. Well, well you know, they listen to the show like, well, Jason said he liked Daniel Jones. They say he didn't like that. I, I don't know what to believe about week three of Daniel Jones now. So you, you've officially confused your friends yet still helped our listeners at the same time, which is all we ever want to do on the airwaves, Jason. Thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate it, dude. Uh, uh, good, luck, uh, good luck this week and, and going forward, man. Great job. Thank, thank you, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. J- Jason Tavares, ladies and gentlemen, the week one fourth place team in the FFPC main event uh, slipped a little bit this week, but he is still in 28th overall. We will be following his team as the season goes on. Only a few minutes left here in the show, Farrell. Got a few more start stick questions. We already helped out John in Phoenix. Let's go to Rolling Meadows, Illinois. This is a tight end question from Chris. He wants to know, would you start Jared Cook in the Arrowhead Shootout or Robert Tunyon against the Niners? Yeah, the, uh, the Chargers. In fact, I'm going to look up what the total is on that game. It's got to be high for that Chargers-Chiefs uh, game going on, on on Sunday with Jared Cook as the uh, featured tight end, the tight end du jour. I mean, I, I guess there's, uh, you still got um, – uh, Donald Parham there as well, but but Jared Cook looking pretty good there. Total at fifty four and a half with the Chiefs as a seven point favorite. We look at the Niners and the Packers on Sunday Night Football. Fifty and a half is the total there with the Niners only a three point favorite. Farrell, if you could only play one of them, who would you go with, Jared Cook or Bobby Tunyon?
1: Oh, I think this is an easy one. You're going to go with Jared Cook here. You know, Balky, you picked up the Kansas City Chiefs defense and. Uh, you know, only you and Lamar Jackson can cannot see that that defense is wide open down the middle, and that uh, where what Andrews didn't <laughs> get against the Chiefs, Cook will get against the Chiefs. And you know, there was a problem last week. Uh, the young quarterback uh, showed uh, what we didn't see from him last year in Herbert. You know, he threw for 300 uh, plus yards was very active between the 20s, had big, big problems in the red zone. Cook only caught three passes last week. The way to fix those red zone issues uh, is to get the ball in the, in the hands of a tight end, and that's going to be a featured aspect, I would expect, of, uh, of the, the offensive scheme uh, uh, from the Chargers this week.
0: Hi, uh, I'm with you on this one. I actually have Jared Cook in a few leagues. I'm rolling him out, and I have uh, significant expectations for him. I would for sure be starting him over Robert Tunyon. And as everybody knows, I'm a Packers fan, and I'm still saying Jared Cook. Joe in Norcross, Georgia writes, Dear Balky and Farrell, I think Tom Brady is on pace for 70-plus touchdowns this season, but I'm still considering playing Jalen Hurts this week over him. What would the HSFF do? Have a great week three. That is Joe in Norcross, Georgia. This is a, a, an interesting situation when you, can, when you bring matchups into play, Farrell, because Tampa goes on the road to Los Angeles to take on the undefeated Rams. Now, they are a one-point favorite. It's a total of 55-and-a-half there, so you've got to love um, Tom Brady. But you look at Jalen Hurts on Monday Night Football against that, um, uh, against that Cowboys defense. That game, the Eagles are three-point dogs, a total of 51-and-a-half. Farrell, I'm a weak man. I cannot play Hertz over Brady this week, although it's close. Would you be able to play Hertz over Brady in week three? I can't either. I would
1: look closer at it if the game was in Philadelphia, perhaps. Uh, That might uh, make me think longer about it. But you know what? I was conscious during the Super Bowl last year, and I saw what Brady can do to an excellent team wherever the game is played. And you know what? Uh, I'm not going to bench Tom Brady. I drafted him for a reason, and uh, you know, if you've got Brady and Hurts at quarterback, you've got too much. And uh, but you know, <laughs> congratulations for congratulations for doing it. But uh, no, I'm I'm going to stick with Tom Brady, and I'm going to be very very comfortable. And, and I will say something. I think this Dallas defense is much better
0: uh, than it was last year. I'm with you, obviously. I'm playing Brady over Hurts. Uh, congratulations on getting both those guys in your team, but you've got to play Brady this week. Final email we have tonight, Farrell, is from Phil in Concord, California. He writes, good evening, gentlemen. If Josh Jacobs misses this week, would you roll with Kenyon Drake as a flex? My only other decent option is Melvin Gordon. Phil in Concord, California, thank you so much for listening uh, and writing in your email. We certainly appreciate it. All right, so as we look over to uh, Farrell's Las Vegas Raiders and in in Josh Jacobs, I don't believe he practiced today, and he's officially Mm -hmm. listed as doubtful against the Dolphins this week. So it it seems like it's going to be Peyton Barber and Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake, obviously the pass catcher between the two. Farrell, assuming Jacobs is out, would you play Drake over Melvin Gordon, or are you still uh, starting the Wisconsin Badger over the Drake?
1: You know, the Drake is the guy for me. As Still Waters run deep, Balky. This situation is a revenge game for Drake. He played well for the Dolphins. They turned their back on him. This is an interesting matchup for him. I think Drake gets more of the rushing game. It continues to be a factor in the passing game. Peyton Barber uh, was was satisfactory in his role, but I think against this team. Drake's style of uh, slash sort of cutback running style uh, should pay dividends. I really believe in Drake uh, this weekend. Gordon is a good start too, uh, playing much better than than people uh, in the fantasy world uh, gave him uh, credit for. Him. And you know, shout out to Chase. wasn't he great?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 just to give a final as we're overtime right now. I will say this. Um, Just to confuse our listeners, for anybody who makes their start-sit decisions based on what Farrell and I say, I will go against Farrell, and I'll say play Melvin Gordon over Kenyon Drake, so you have a legitimate tie, uh, you don't have a legitimate tiebreaker here. Melvin Gordon against the the Jets, this guy has exceeded expectations, especially anybody who believed in Javante Williams as the guy here early on. It's still been Gordon, Gordon's still putting up numbers, you know, not... Otherworldly numbers, but he's still putting up numbers. I think he does it again this week, and I would play him over Kenyon Drake just because uh, of the Peyton Barber factor, kind of gumming up the works there. But if you are, I, and I will say this: if you are looking to, like, oh my goodness, I, I always let Bulky and Farrell break my lineup decisions. Now they disagree. I will say it's close enough for me. Where if you want to go with your gut and you want to go with Farrell, I don't think Drake over Gordon is the wrong call. It's just, if I was faced with it, I would probably start Gordon over Drake. That's my personal opinion. It's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. Exactly. So pat yourself on the back. Week three should be good, no matter what, hopefully. And uh, we'll talk about it next week on the show with the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Commissioner, Farrell Elliott. Uh, Farrell, safe travels all the way home. We will talk to you after this decision has been made by all these fantasy uh, players. And after we find out the results of it, enjoy week three, dude. We will talk to you again next Friday, my man. Thank you, sir. Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. You follow them on Twitter at KFFSC. Farrell is on Twitter at Jay Elliott and, of course, uh, KFFSC.com is where to find out more information on that if you're thinking about jumping into it next year as well. That is going to do it for tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank Jason DeVars. I want to thank Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you for hanging out with us uh, as your precursor to the weekend and your precursor to week three uh, of, uh, of the FFPC season this, uh, this year as well. We will be back next Friday, week one, 1, May- Main event overall leader and FFPC league champion, Silas Dane, will join us next week at ten nine Central. Hope you can tune in for that. Your weekend officially starts this now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. 24th, 2021 is the 30th anniversary of an album that is um, the release of an album that is arguably the greatest grunge album of all time. And I didn't realize it was released on this date 30 years ago, but it was. And that is Nirvana's Nevermind. It is uh, not their first, their debut album. A lot of people uh, think that it is. It is not. Bleach was actually their first album, but um, Nevermind came out 30 years ago today, Lithium, smells like Teen Spirit, um, all the hits uh, off that one. Um, and this was, you know, prior to, uh, to Heart-Shaped Box as well. But you had, you had such, I mean, th- this was, bear in mind, too, um, this was an album that was released. The Smashing Pumpkins were supposed to hit the scene, right? Um, and they were going to release their album. I believe that was Siamese Dream, and they had to delay it because Nevermind came out and just floored everybody. Come as you are. In Bloom, Polly, Drain your Territorial Pissings. I mean, On a Plane, Something in the way. so many good um, tracks on this album, and it came out 30 years ago today. Change the Face of Grunge, Change the Face of 1990s alternative rock, really alternative rock going forward. Um, so I don't know if you're a fan, but if you are, I know I will be spending the remainder of of the evening listening to Nevermind to celebrate 30 years ago today. Wow, are we all old that this album came out. Truly one of the greatest grunge albums, if not the greatest grunge album of all time. We will be back next week. Good luck in week three. I hope the ball bounces your way, everybody. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening.